It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors, Drahada Dundalk and Cavan. Our service departments are open with all HSC and government guidelines in place to keep you and our staff safe. Sales are click and deliver only through our website, blackstonemotors.ie. Stay safe from Blackstone Motors. Welcome to Late Lunch on LMFM Radio this Thursday afternoon. So, what's up with them now? Teachers, what's wrong with them? I was quite assured last evening when I listened to the Minister on 6-1 News explain that all parties had agreed on the way the Leaving Cert would proceed, a mixture of exam and calculated grades. And within a short time, the teaching unions who are around that table and part of that agreement are out saying that they're concerned. Surely they should have expressed those concerns round the table, hammer them out and have them sorted, rather than coming out afterwards and trying to pull the rug. Now I'm just starting to wonder, who are they concerned for? Are they concerned for students or for themselves? You know, you're privileged when you're a teacher. You're in a secure, well-paid job. Secondary school teachers, 198 days, 198 days holidays in a year. You've been on full pay since the pandemic broke. What about the people who are on PUP? Thousands upon thousands and working away full throttle on the PUP from home or wherever they can. I wonder what would happen if you put the teachers on the PUP? Think about that. What would happen? Would you care to guess? We all know that a return to classrooms is crucial for children and students. So what I say is, and I've heard nothing from the teacher unions on this, vaccinate the whole lot of them. Make them a priority to vaccinate them. Every single one of them. Then they don't have to say, we don't have this, we don't have that in the classes. Please, government, do this. Where are the unions? Where's the NASTI, uh, the TUI? Where are they? Where are they calling for priority for vaccinations for their members? What would we have done had the healthcare workers of this country, all of them, customer-facing staff in retail and services, the Guardi, the emergency services, decided, you know what? We'll go home. We'll lay down tools effectively strike. What would have happened? 
I urge you again to read Brenda Power's article in the Sunday Times. I have it here beside me. Teaching unions need lesson in work ethics. Page 13 in comment. Read it, read it, read it, folks. Please read it. Who's running this bloody country? Is it the teaching unions or the government? I'll tell you what, I've been speaking to friends and associates in the last 24 hours and they're absolutely disgusted with you, teachers. Annoyed, fed up, we've had enough. And I'll tell you this, I say it again, we'll never forget your appalling stance in this country's hour of need. Never, ever, ever. Now, will you cop yourselves on, knuckle down and do your jobs? What do you think? Have you an opinion this afternoon? I'd love to hear from you. And I'd love to hear from you. If you're a teacher and you have something to counter what I've said, please come on. I'll talk to you. We'll forget you and maybe not today, we'll do it tomorrow. If you want to say, have you something to say? I hear that, and there are great teachers out there and the teachers that want to get back to school. But where is your voice in this? Where is your voice as members? Or are you happy to be tarred with the one brush? 086-1800-658 is the number here directly to me. 086-1800-658. WhatsApp or text me to the show now if you're listening today and you have an opinion. Get in touch with me, 1850-715-958, if you'd like to call in. My first guest is waiting patiently on the line. And when I tell you that he is a marvellous business, and he's a marvellous businessman all his life. Do you remember, there was a showroom, uh, if, you, if you know Drogheda, on the southwest side at one stage. And in recent years, it's become a beautiful distillery. And the Cooney family have a great tradition in the making of drinks. Beer, gin, whiskey were all part of the plans for Boan Distillery and they still are. Whiskey and gin, big time. And wait till you hear what's been achieved on the whiskey front. But they've had to shake and move with the times and to tell me more. He's a good friend of mine, himself and his wife, Mary, and the Cooney family. MD Pat Cooney is on the line. Hello, Pat. Hey, Jerry, how you doing? I'm good. Thanks very much for joining me on the show. And listen, first off, may I say congratulations. Breaking news. You've just uh, swept the decks in the World Whiskey Awards, Pat. Yeah, fantastic news, Jerry. Uh, most important of all is, as you know, it's a new distillery, and we just won the best new make. That is the spirit that you actually start off with to make whiskey. We just won the best new make in Ireland, uh, 2021 World Whiskey Awards. Really fantastic accolade. And a great credit to all the staff here. Great credit to the distillery. Great credit to the equipment. Great credit to everybody. Just fantastic. Yeah, brilliant. Well done to you. And as I say, it is just uh, breaking news at the moment. Tell me about this new story on the whiskey. Because a whiskey historian called Finon O'Connor, is his name, um, was working away, you know, researching ancient whiskies and the makeup of ancient whiskies. And you're now involved in this. Tell us, Pat. Yeah, well, I suppose, uh, Jerry, there are essentially two categories of whiskey. One is malt, where the whiskey is made, or the new make spirit is made from 100% malt, and the other is pot still. And pot still is a combination or a mixture of unmalted barley, which is green barley, and malted barley. And this is the quintessential and traditional Irish whiskey. Pot still is really the quintessential Irish whiskey. And when we were specking uh, the distillery here, uh, I specifically put in all of the equipment necessary to be a pot still distillery. And if we look at that, there's 38 new distilleries, or maybe 20, 34 or 5 new distilleries in Ireland in the past couple of years. Most of them are really only geared to make malt. And we're specifically geared to make pot still whiskey. 
Now, traditionally, all Irish whiskey was pot still, or essentially all Irish whiskey in the southern part of the country was pot still. Bush Bills being one of the exceptions up in the north. And pot still whiskey, really, every, every distillery had its own mash bill, which is, which is the term for a recipe for making new make, which turns into whiskey. And pot still generally was of unmalted and malted barley, but also there was a mixture of oats, there was wheat, and there was rye in there. In the last couple of years, the oats and the wheat and the rye has been discontinued. So even Irish pot still whiskey generally is made from just malted and unmalted barley. Okay. So when we met Sean O'Connor, who is probably the most renowned um, person in Irish history, uh, he really wanted to do some experimentation with the old mash bills. And part of his PhD, uh, he did a lot of research around the country looking up old mash bills from old distilleries that have since long gone into history. And he had a parcel of these mash bills. And he came to us and he said, look, he says, I really would like to do these mash bills to see what Irish whiskey actually used to taste like when Ireland ruled, ruled the waves with Irish whiskey. Yeah. You know, if you go back into the early part of the uh, 20th century or the latter part of the 19th century, Irish whiskey was 80% of the world market. That's true. Now, yeah. worth, mm. now we're 3%. Mm. But anyway... He had all these mash bills, and he was looking for a distillery that could handle mash bills. Because one of the difficulties with using oats in mash bills, and most of these old distilleries did use oats, was that they're quite hard to process. And of course, we've got the equipment here to be able to do that. So we were the ideal distillery to do these, uh, to do his experimentations. So we got these old mash bills from all different parts of the country, one of them actually being the old Preston's mash bill from Drada. So we actually distilled these uh, during the month of December. And we wound up with uh, about 180, 190 casks of these particular mash bills. And in order to give everybody, including the whiskey societies, uh, the whiskey pubs, people who are interested in whiskey, whiskey aficionados, call them what you like, we said we would offer some of these for sale. So we offered 148 of these casks for sale. And believe it, they were sold out. We sold them in a week. So that particular program is now finished. All of those casts are counted for and very, very lucky people to have what essentially is going to be a piece of Irish whisky history. And Pat, when you talk about whisky, of course, time. Nothing added but time, as they say, when you do your piece on it. How long will it be before those casks are available to move on to the next phase? Well, by law, it has to be uh, three years before you can actually call it whisky. Right. So it has to be aged in wood on the island of Ireland to actually call it whiskey. So, but you might want to do anything after three years. You might want to wait till five years mm. or after three years you might want to take that whiskey and put it into a different barrel. Yes. Most, because we put them into four different types of barrels which is really a huge influence on what the end product or the end style of whiskey is going to be. So we put them into bourbon, uh, rum, neoc and Oloroso sherry. Right. So they're the four barrels that they put these vintage mashups into. But you might want to leave them in sherry. You might want to change to another barrel or finish them in another barrel. So really, it gives you infinite possibilities to make changes all along the way so as to when you, you wind up with an absolutely individual style of whiskey that whoever's doing it, it would be their style of whiskey. Yes. And that really is a huge attraction to this. And of course, if you want to learn about whiskey, there's no better way than owning your own cask, putting your own money into it, and then you will take the time to learn about whiskey and see the maturation process from 
from barrel to that. Yes, and obviously you're adding flavour with those different uh, barrels you mentioned there coming from different sources to the spirit that's within them. So after three or five years, is it ready to drink, Pat? Oh, yes, you can drink it, yeah. Sure, yeah? Absolutely. Beautiful. Okay, so it's there and... It's golden, golden nectar. <laughs> <laughs> I think golden I'll need nectar. a drop of it if I'm going to talk any more about the bloody teachers. Anyway, um, I have to say to you, uh, the, uh, the, 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 ba- the casks were snapped up. And I'm just thinking about another thing here, Pat. You know, I, I talk to John Lowe, the money doctor, regularly here on the show, and it's one thing he's mentioned and alluded to as well, looking at alternatives for investment that you could make a few bob on, because as you know, there's no money in the banks and return on savings, etc. This is a hell of an investment. Yeah, well, as you know, uh, Jerry, uh, you get nothing. If you put your money in a bank, you get nothing. That you, that's just beginning to charge you to put your money in the bank. So what Irish Whiskey offers is an opportunity to make an investment, and it's increasingly seen as an alternative asset class. I think it's fairly factual that in the last uh, 10 years, Irish whiskey has increased in value by between 18 and 20% a year. Now, of course, there's no guarantee that that's going to continue, but that certainly has been the story for the last couple of years. There was a huge scarcity of Irish whiskey. Irish whiskey has grown from, from 400,000 cases in the late 80s to 5 million cases in 2014, to 12 million cases last year, 2020, and it's projected to go to 24 million cases by 2030. So there's a huge scarcity of Irish whiskey and a huge scarcity of good Irish whiskey. And, of course, to make good Irish whiskey, you have to have good new make. Mm. And that is where the award we've just won today is really, really important. It's a great story. We've been awarded awarded that we make the best new make in Ireland. Mm. Ah, look, it's wonderful, wonderful news. It, it, it really is. So look at the casks. That's an option for somebody to invest in. That's, uh, I was just reading, it's sort of one third of what you do. What about the other two thirds? You're going to bottle yourself and, and, and sell well, it on. Just to finish, just to, the, we'll just finish that one, Jerry, if you don't mind. Uh, we actually have a cask programme uh, available to anybody that's interested in whisky. Okay. So you, can buy, you, can, you can purchase an individual cask over 12 different cask types going from Bourbon, through Rum, through Neoc, Marsala, Madeira, Pedro Simonese, and in between. Or if you have an interest in making a more substantial uh, commitment or investment, then we actually have a portfolio cask offer where you can buy a pallet of six barrels of Bourbon or five barrels of Oloroso. You put them away for five or ten years, and then you realise the value when you actually get to that stage. And the final one for people, for the person who's just interested in whiskey, we have a, 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 a distiller's cask selection where the head distiller here takes a cask every year. We bottle it and we give everybody one bottle of that cask every year for 10 years so that you can see the progress of the maturation process of the whiskey as it goes through uh, the first cask, perhaps into the second cask. And you can see we give a sample every year and they can actually hear the whole thing materialises in what can be a unique whiskey. OK, and if people listening today are interested in finding out more, they just give you a shout there at Boan, is it? Yeah, there's a, there's a website, our email address, caskoffers 
at the one.ae or come onto the website. Oh, give us a call. Yeah, call or the door, Or our door is always open, COVID permitting. OK, great, Pat. Now, you're going to obviously bottle some yourself and sell it on, and you're going to send some on to into the industry. Is that the plan as well for some yeah, of Yeah, there, there are quite a number of high net worth individuals who are interested in investing in Irish whiskey. Right. And we have contracts with some of those people. Uh, and when I mean they're prepared to invest quite a lot in Irish whiskey, I mean millions. I'm not talking about thousands. I'm talking about millions. So I have a commitment to some of those people as well. So essentially, we, we can make quite a lot of whiskey here. We can make 800,000 LPA a year. Obviously, it's going to be very difficult to develop the market or will take time for us to develop a market that sells that amount of whiskey. So the idea is we lay a third to a half for ourselves and we sell a quarter to a third either to cask collectors or cask investors or to these other wholesale investors in Irish whiskey. And that's the plan for the future. That is, that's on the whiskey front and it's flying for you. Yeah. What, uh, the gin, yes, gin is happening. Yeah, that was we, always another one. We just distilled our first gin and we just got our first orders from the States. Uh, so we're shipping over two or three containers to the States now. And the interesting thing about it, because obviously we're local, uh, we see local things and we want to stay local as we can. So the gin is called Silks, uh, in honour of Bevistown, I suppose, which, as you know, is probably the oldest uh, race course in the world held on the rules at the same venue. So it's the Silks and the Jockey and uh, that lifestyle and gin, <laughs> to us it seems all to go well together. <laughs> and I, I meant to mention, sorry, it just, it just slipped me, they've called the whiskey after you, the Whistler, because you're yes, renowned yeah. for doing a little chirp, aren't you, as you're going round about your business yeah. every day? Yeah, well, you know, when I was a chap in Drogheda, everybody whistles, you know. Yeah. If, if you ever pass it by the cow, the cow shed, the chap milking the cows was whistling. The chap walking down the street was whistling. Nobody, no, nobody whistles. It's kind of a lost art. Mm. So strange enough, I still whistle and my son still whistles. So one New Year's Eve, one merry New Year's Eve, can I say, uh, we were down the garden in an old folly and we were whistling away, drinking a drop of whiskey. And we were looking for a name for whiskey. And the, uh, my son James said, Jesus, Dad, uh, Whistler, that could be a great name. So that's where the name Whistler came from. <laughs> that's and great. I think it is a good name across all language barriers. And, of course, the whiskey now is exported to about 15 or 20 countries and growing by the day. The latest one being, we just signed a deal with Russia. The latest one being Uzbekistan, believe it or not, and Kazakhstan. So we're sending it to some, we're sending it to some very, very funny places and some very great places. But of course, uh, as, as, as you know, Preston's before us sent whiskey all over the world. And it's remarkable, we still get emails from people who have come across whiskey memorabilia, an old sign for Preston's from Africa or from America or from God knows where. So one of the mash bills we've done, as I said earlier on, is the old um, Preston's mash bill, uh, which was the Silver Genesis in Dublin, which Fionan uh, discovered or uncovered. So we've actually still that, and in four or five years' time, we will release Preston's uh, as a unique whisky with a very special relationship to Drogheda. That's great. It's all good news. The whistler from the Windmill Road or the Wyman Lane, as they'd the say. Lane. <laughs> <laughs> you can't beat it. You can't. Pat, listen, lovely to touch base with you today. It's a, a wonderful story. We wish you well. And will you pass on my regards to Mary and all your wonderful children? Indeed. I will indeed. Thank you, Jerry. Not at all, Pat. Take care of yourself. Uh, bye bye. I'm glad I'm not a teacher today. <laughs> Good man yourself. <laughs> he wouldn't stick it, as they say, if he was. Late lunch, LMFM radio. Your comments are flowing in about the teachers, and I'm coming back to them after this short break. No snow last week. 
I'm snowed with comments about the teachers today. Geraldine feels that Jerry is being a bit unfair to teachers. She is a family member who is working remotely at home while minding their own toddler and they're up till 11 o'clock at night getting classes ready for the next day. Listen, well done. And and that's part and parcel of it. You're at home minding a toddler and you have work to do as well. If Jerry's going to generalise, says Geraldine, then he needs to be fair. I, I don't think I'm being unfair because I'll tell you, Geraldine, I can point out to my family members, to lots of other friends and their children and grown-up children who are also working from home, minding children, and on the PUP payment. The PUP, not full pay. Miriam's been on to say, Jerry's given the impression that secondary school teachers are not working. That's not right. They've been giving online classes since the start of the pandemic. I accept that. People were also giving out when their children were at school and the windows were left open. Sure, I know people, you can't satisfy all of the people all the time. But what I'm saying, Miriam, is teachers need to get back to school. Vaccinate the whole lot of them. Just make them priority now for vaccinations. Get them back in there teaching. Children need to go back to school. They're lost. This online thing is fine for a while. But it's no use in the long term. It really isn't. Jerry, I'd love to give you a clap on the back. How right you are in everything you said, said Anne. Jerry, you excelled yourself today. You're so on the money. Teachers are a disgrace. They should not be paid and should have been made go on that COVID payment like everybody else. Keep at them, Jerry, says Eileen. Relax, Jerry, you'll have a heart attack. No, I'm all right. I've taken the tablets this morning. You're okay, you're okay. But I agree wholeheartedly with you, says another listener. Jerry, you're 200. 100% right, not 100% right. It's scandalous, says another listener. Uh, well said, Jerry. Yeah, you could do with a few more people. We could do with a few more people like yourself who'll speak the truth on our behalf. There's another one. And it says this 200% must be running around the place. Anyway, scandalous again, says somebody else. The teachers just take the biscuit. Uh, what about bus drivers and all the abuse they take, Jerry? And they're out there in the front line. I mentioned it. All of the frontline workers. I agree with you. Jerry, why can't they make an exception and give all teachers and leaving cert students their vaccine early and make the leaving cert happen even if it is a little bit later this year. Listen to this one here. They're flying in here on the WhatsApp. Jerry, my friend is a teacher and there's no way she's going back to work. She's too comfortable teaching from her bed, says a listener to me this afternoon. Uh, Jerry, here's another one. The teachers are absolutely spoiled. Unfortunately, Jerry, a lot of TDs and ministers ah, are from a teaching background and they've always been too soft on teachers. Why are the unions involved in negotiations? This has nothing to do with the unions. The minister needs to tell the teachers what the plan is. That's it. Get out there and get on it, says another listener. And so on and so on they go. Keep them coming to me. I said, and I said early on in the show, it's time to call the teachers out. It really is. That's my belief. What do you feel? Come on, let's hear from you. 86 658 WhatsApp or text me. Or you can call in on 1850-715-958. Pat Cooney and the whiskey. Let's have a drop. Whiskey in the jar. Thin Lizzie, an absolute classic on late lunch this afternoon. Well done, Jerry. Uh, let me go to... God, they're coming in so fast. There it is there. Yeah. Well done, Jerry. Us nurses have to work frontline nonstop under severe pressure in all wards and most especially working on COVID wards. We also have to homeschool and have our children looked after when we work. I'm sick of the spoiled child syndrome teachers. 
and the do-good attitude of people who bully our government so nobody knows, as you said, who is running the country. That's from a nurse this afternoon. And there are lots more. I will be back to them, I promise you, during the course of the show. If you have an opinion, if you want to join in the conversation, give me... Give me, a, uh, give me a text, send me a text, send me a WhatsApp or whatever. 086-1800-658 by WhatsApp or text or 1850-715-958. I have to say, in the plethora of, of messages I'm getting, the opinion out there concurs with mine about teachers and the teaching unions. And I'll be back to more of your comments, I promise you. Still to come on late lunch, we have lots of interesting guests and chat. But up next, after news and weather at two o'clock, here's the question. Can women have it all? The career, marriage, children, Emma Murray discusses. Your comments are flying into me. Let me just read this one before I say hello to my next guest. Well said, Jerry. I'm out of work since last March on the PUP and this time it's now been reduced since the first lockdown. I have bills to pay and a house to keep up and I can't wait to get back to work. Our whole house is out of work and honestly, we're starting to struggle financially as well as mentally. As I work as a beautician, so my industry, hairdressers, etc., are all closed at this time. How are we all supposed to live? I understand some may be afraid, uh, that's the teacher she's talking about, but education is a right and they should be back to school, especially considering they have three months off coming up in only a few weeks' time. Yes, the summer holidays. Love your show, Jerry. You've given us so many laughs over the last few months. Thank you so much. Thank you indeed for that lovely uh, message this afternoon. And uh, yes, this show is light, dark, serious... Sad, happy, you'll get everything here. It's a potpourri on Late Lunch. And if you're just joining us, you're very welcome to the show. You're listening to LMFM Radio's Late Lunch this Thursday afternoon. Now, I guarantee you, if you get this book, you will laugh. You'll cry. You will actually crack up laughing, I promise you. It's simply brilliant. The book is called The Juggle and its author is Emma Murray and she's on the line. Hello, Emma. Hi, Jerry. How are you doing? I'm really good. Wait till I just read this to you because this just sums up how this book has has been received. This was just one of the wonderful reviews I spotted. Listen to this. There is nothing I love more than a book that makes me laugh and cry within just a few chapters as the surprises keep coming to the cliffhanger end. Wow, Emma. <laughs> Thank you. That was a that was a very nice review, all right. Oh, it certainly was. Now this is the middle of a, a trilogy. The uh, uh, you published one called Time Out. That was the first one. The Juggle is number two, and there's a third one. There will be a third one. It's very much a work in progress at the moment, but um, I'm hoping that all going well. It'll be out around this time next year. But yeah, so the first one. Time Out was out last year and um, and now there's the juggle of the follow-up. So, uh, yeah, lots going on. Lots going on. Tell our listeners a little bit about yourself. You're an Irish girl living in London. That's right, yeah. No, I moved over here um, over 20 years ago now and um, I started writing fiction uh, about four or five years ago and I was in, like, um, banking, first of all, in my 20s. And then I moved into full-time writing um, after about uh, almost 10 years in banking and I I decided to bite the bullet and try and set up a writing business and I started off with non-fiction 
Um, and then I sort of decided to pursue the dream and, you know, try and get some uh, novels out there. So I'm very fortunate that uh, it's it's been working out so far. And this book is building on the first story. But, you know, I, I mentioned uh, today, uh, teeing up the show, you know, when you think about women today and, you know, fantastic careers, families, husbands, uh, house to be looked after, manage finances, you name it. You know what I mean? There's so many things to be done. And an, an awful lot of women, you know, carry uh, the brunt of all those tasks. I'll ask you, after having written this book and being a mum uh, to two children yourself with a husband, can you have it all? No. <laughs> you absolutely cannot have it all. I mean, in terms of, like, I don't think one person is expected to do all those things without asking for help. I think the expectation might be that, you know, that you can do all those things and not have have, it, have any kind of adverse effect or impact on your life. And I've kind of learned that firsthand from lockdown, where we're just thrown into this awful maelstrom of, like, homeschool and meals and work and just trying to juggle everything, you know, and just try and get you one end of the day to the other, you know. And the fact is that, you know, those tasks need to be divided uh, between yourself and your partner. And I think that's what we're all missing now because normally, like, you might have, you know, your extra help, you know, to look after the kids or you might have your granny down the road popping in. All those little, um, like, tasks that you kind of didn't really, not take for granted, but you didn't really you know, do too much about them before uh, has all been stripped away. And I think that's the the reality of it is that nobody can do everything by themselves. Everybody needs help. Now, girls, are you listening? And boys, and boys, especially boys, should be listening to that because we have to (laughs) dig in there and play our parts, that's for sure. Let me say this to you about this book. Um, The four-year-old daughter, Saoirse, Saoirse, Saoirse's four-year-old daughter, Anna, well, what a job to outmanoeuvre that manipulative four-year-old, may I say, enjoying brunch sex with the jobless husband and, (laughs) excuse me, I'm going to talk a little more about that in a moment, and, uh, of course, uh, she's a very good friend to her best friend, Bea, Bea, how do you pronounce that, B, is it B? It's B, yeah, B, short yeah. for Beatrice. Yeah, yeah, short for Beatrice. My God, even in those few uh, sentences there, I- I'm alluding to a lot that's happening between the covers of this book. Can I ask you, are you pulling from personal experience? <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. Um, some of it is inspired from real life, but it is more or less, you know, 99.9% fiction. And um, But I do think that, you know, generally speaking, everybody needs... Uh, a break from uh, everything, a break from the kids, a break from this horrible reality we're living in. And I think, look, take it where you can get us, you know. Just, uh, <laughs> <laughs> just go for it. Any free moment you can get, um, you, know, to, to, you know, take a break from the kids is, uh, is, is just uh, is always welcome. May I, may I read a little excerpt from the book? Would you mind if I oh, do that just well for listeners? Just yeah. to give a, a little more, you know, feeling for what it's about. <laughs> so here we go. Um, this is Saoirse. I'm feeling a bit pissed and the alcohol has vanquished the PMT. So I take a risk. So she's obviously there with the husband. Sex, I say. Absolutely, he says, jumping to his feet. He takes my hand and makes to move off, but I hesitate. What's up, he frowns. 
What about all the washing up of this typical woman? I say surveying the masses of filthy pots and pans that cover most of our work surfaces. And then my neat freak husband says four words that make me fall in love with him all over again. Book the washing up. We run out of the kitchen giggling, shooshing each other. If Anna wakes up, we've had it and race up to the bedroom. Then we have the type of sex where neither of us is truly satisfied because it's been so long and we're out of practice. But it's a bloody good start. Woo! If you don't want to get this book, folks, I don't know what's up with you. It's called The Juggle. There you are. A matinee in the middle of the day. You can't beat it. So knackered, aren't they? Like, at the end of the day, the last thing, last thing you want to do. I don't know who dreamed up this myth of, you know, doing all that at bedtime when you're just absolutely on your knees with the exhaustion. And then the morning, forget about it. And then, you know, so if you have a chance in the afternoon, and I think this is why, you know, when people are working from home. Now, having said that, lockdown isn't, is not an aphrodisiac. This is only for people who have kids in school and happen to work at home. Uh, because other than that, the last thing you want to be doing now is getting all, you know, romantic when you're ready to murder each other because you've been stuck together for the last year. <laughs> so maybe that's the reason I'm getting all these messages that people want children back to school. I'm having a very serious debate, you know, before you join me here about teachers and teaching. No, I I, I diverge. I, I don't mean that at all. Just uh, being a little tongue-in-cheek there. But look at... You're writing, you have a way, you have a gift, you have a knack. It's like somebody, you know, sitting over a cup of coffee. You know when you have a chat with somebody or over a glass of wine or a pint, you really have just, you have it. Can I say that to you, Emma? You have it. You oh, really have. very kind of you. Thank mm, you. You do. You're a wonderful writer. And for a second book, I have to say, this is really, really special. Tell me about, because you see, the, the great and good authors come to me here on this show and have over the years, and we have a book club and we love books on late launch. Explain to me what a blog tour is, will you? Oh, yeah, of course. So basically, um, a blog tour is when it's kind of an assignment that the, the publisher um, is responsible for uh, getting a group of, well, advertising the book to a group of bloggers and then whoever wants to write about, you know, whoever thinks that they want to read it and write about it, they will. So you, so they're kind of the first people to, to read it and then they'll post reviews online for you on social media, on Instagram, Twitter and that kind of thing. Right. And then they just, they're great because they really give, you know, the book a little bit of an early boost because it's terrifying mm. putting a book out there and it's nice when, nice when, when good reviews come in, they kind of think, all right, okay, you know, gives you a little bit of confidence and then, of course, the more reviews you get in, reviews are so important, um, the more people will be attracted enough to the book to buy it, you know, yes. so, um, so that's, it really is a nice way of, mm. uh, of giving you a good start. Oh, listen, though, uh, please, God, you'll be out with the next one and all three together in the bookstore signing and pressing the flesh with your adoring readership. I'm sure that's only a matter of time. Tell me, are the school oh, mams in London really like the school mams in this book? They're not as bad, thank you. Right. Otherwise, I don't think I'd be living here. Um, no. Uh, no, sure, look, there's a bit of that everywhere. Yes. Like at school gate, and there's people that you'll get on with straight away, and people that you're like, oh, I can't. But, um, but there's a group of school mums in, uh, in the, well, actually, both books. They make an unwe- they're called the Organics, and they first popped up in Time Out, and they, they make an unwelcome return in mm. the juggle. And they're the ones that are, you know, the anti-screens and... Uh, they don't like their kids eating rubbish food 
and they have a lot to say about other people's types of parenting. And um, so they are the ones that I had, I had come across a couple of organics in my time. Yeah. And they, when I was, you know, early on, you know, when you're kind of like just wrecked and you've got, oh, you're looking, you're walking out, you look like something that's crawled out of a ditch because <laughs> uh, you're so sleep deprived. <laughs> and they're all like, you know, perfectly made Perfect. up and everything's amazing. <laughs> You know what I mean? And their kids always sleep through. Oh, they're incredible. Stop. Incredible. Stop. They're and plastic. Nobody tells you like it is. And they're on social media. Oh, don't get me started. Stop the lights. I was, yeah, so I was very keen on dispelling that myth. <laughs> well, you have. You certainly have. And you do call them out. That's for sure. I get the I feeling, you know, when you, when, you, when you read this book, you'll understand juggling motherhood, friendships and family mm-hmm. while, you know, every trying to stay sane in the middle of all of this. But can I say this to you? I think every mother will feel better about themselves when they read it. Oh, well, that is exactly, exactly the reason I wrote it. And thank you for highlighting that. Um, It was really important for me that people didn't feel alone um, in, you know, in feeling kind of guilty that they were struggling or not doing everything perfectly or not doing everything as well as other people. I think that's a really dangerous uh, message to send, especially in social media where, uh, you know, it's just so, it's so fake, and but people feel they have these impossible standards to live up to, and, and none of it is real. I mean, we're just all in the same boat, yeah. but a lot of people won't admit it, and I think that that's, you know, it's a dangerous myth to perpetuate, and mm. that was one of the driving forces behind writing these books in the first place. Oh, we can't wait for number three. Time Out is number one, The Juggle is number two, and number three, as Emma says there, is in the making. May I commend you, there's not a peep or a peak of a London accent on that Irish accent or added to it. <laughs> oh, I'll never lose it, Jerry. Ah, good on you. Sports everywhere. You know the ones that go over for a week and they're talking like oh. Cockneys by the time they're back here. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, you oh, do. Oh, no, I know, yeah. I know, I know plenty of them. <laughs> There's another topic for your book. There, there, never mind those mums. The ones that go over and get the accent in a, in a week or a fortnight. Anyway, don't mind me. It's just a thing that crossed my uh, mind there for a moment. Don't worry. It's <laughs> good, good, Watch good, good. <laughs> well, listen, let me say to you, it's simply wonderful. I highly recommend this book. If you want to have a good laugh, and as we, I said, the finish is something else, it's called The Juggle. Uh, when having it all actually means doing it all, as it says on the book. It's by Emma Murray, and I've been uh, speaking to her for the last few moments here on Late Lunch, and it's been a real pleasure, and I look forward to talking to you again, and I wish you well. Oh, thank you so much, Jerry. It's been absolutely brilliant talking to you. And thank you for having me. None at all. You're welcome. Take care of yourself. Emma Murray there. The book is called The Juggle. God, I'm I'm pressed. I, I really don't want to give it away. I will give it away. I'll give it to one of you. I'll give you The Juggle. But it has to go to a mam. It has to go to a woman, this book, and a mammy who's trying to juggle everything at home. All right? Uh, <clears throat> no... <laughs> <laughs> I'm not excluding anybody. I was going to. I'm not excluding that. I has to go to, to a mammy. A mammy at home that's juggling everything. Are you a mam who can empathise with what Emma was saying there? This is brilliant, this book. You'll love it. So all you have to do is message me now. 086-1800-658. WhatsApp or text me and just tell me that you are a mammy that needs this book.
Mammy Book. Text me those words. Mammy Book, please. Mammy Book, please. To 086-1800-658. And if you can add a little to your story, it might just help you pick up the prize. Late lunch, LMFM Radio. I will be back to uh, your comments about the teachers. Just a couple more there coming into me there. Uh, no presenter ever asked teachers, Jerry, how much they're paid and how many hours they work. They don't live in the real world. Frontline workers who provide us with our food, fuel, etc. and our healthcare workers, they're the ones who should be rewarded more than teachers. A strong government would put teachers on the COVID pay. Shame on them, says Tom in Dundalk. Uh, another one there, I totally agree. I work in a supermarket under pressure every day, Jerry, And I see lots of teachers coming in. I was told we only see customers for a few minutes uh, during the day but we see on average I would say over a thousand people every day face to face Jerry, and we just got to get on it of course you have to get on it Jerry. it's an absolute disgrace the way teachers have behaved during this pandemic uh, that's another one from somebody else saying look at all the great frontline workers in the retail when we go there to Lidl Aldi Duns and Tesco another one saying teachers have way too much clout in this country and should be ashamed of themselves. And I'll get back to them more. What about teachers? Have you anything to say? Or anyone who knows a teacher that as well? I'll read it. Read them all. Tell me. Tell me if we're wrong or we've got the angle wrong on this or you have uh, something to say about it. All sides welcome and all opinions offered. I'll read them out once they're all within reason. 086-1800-658. WhatsApp or text me to the show. Fiona McShane, Hello. Hello, Jerry. How are you? Ah, it's great to talk to you again. She's a wonderful blogger, folks, this lady. I've spoken to her before. Trixie's Treats is the blog, and she has a lovely daughter called Kate, and she has two other children as well. And, of course, Kate has Down syndrome, and she's a wonderful little girl. And tell me about this image and picture of her that, that has emerged in the last day or so. What's it all about? This picture came about because the wonderful local photographer, um Paul Connor got in touch and he had this idea because he knows Kate really well. He took the most uh, gorgeous first day photo of her in St. Bridget's and St. Patrick's and he's taken other photos of her. So he knows her well. And he came up with this idea and he said, listen, I'll meet you down in Baltray. Bring a bag of teddies. um, If she had little fairy wings or anything like that. And off we went down. And... I just knew being down there in Baltray that it was going to be gorgeous. And he set up fairy lights at the back and um, I met him then a week later and he said, oh, Fiona, I'll just give you a look at the photo. And oh, the the tears sprang straight away because it just sums Missy up so well. It's beautiful. It is. Oh, my God. The the original here in my hand. I'm just looking at it. Yeah. And, um, yeah, like, I posted it on my little blog, and it was in the Drogheda Independent. Yes. And um, then, you see, there's a a accompanying picture is an article just about how parents are coping um, with their children who have Down syndrome during the pandemic. So what I did was I did, I sent it on to Ryan Tuberty, sent on the picture and just explained to him because I didn't know I was hopefully maybe going to get a conversation started about, like, you know, there's parents out there who are literally on their knees during this pandemic, Mm. you know, um, their their kids not being able to go to school, you know, there's other kids out there with complex needs. Mm. Um, and they don't have a voice. And sometimes, like, even if somebody could, you know, 
bring up the conversation and get the conversation started, you know, on there to be on their side. So yeah. anyway, what happened out of that was a beautiful message from my Tuberty. I was not expecting it at all. And I wish I had videoed her reaction because she was like, he's talking to me. Mm. The man of the toy show is talking to ah, me. Ah, yes. So yes. we were just delighted. Ah, it's lovely. Look, the picture, the sp- as you say, the picture speaks a thousand words. It does, and it, it, yeah, re- it really absolutely. does. And, and for listeners today, they can see that on Trixie Street's blog. It's there. Yeah, and it's also, as I said, in this week's Draw Had Dependent okay. as well. Yeah. Now, you have three yeah. children, right? And school's yes. out. Again, I, I put this to you. We've been talking about teachers on the show from the start and what's going well, on. I, was going, I just, I heard your, like, few of the comments there. And I'm sorry, but I have nothing but wonderful things to say about teachers. Because my own sister is a teacher. One of my best friends is a teacher. And I can see the work they are working, like, unbelievably. And you see, people don't see it. And I suppose the government aren't doing much to kind of, you know, they were nearly pitting the teachers against, the, like, you know, the, the government were just up against the teachers. No, 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 but no. Fiona, Fiona, the thing is this, the thing is this, look, this is the nub of the point. They have discussions yesterday. All parties, teachers, everybody, out they come. They have a plan for the leave insert, right? Agreed? Yeah. It's announced. Yeah. And then suddenly, the unions come out and said, well, we have concerns here. Now, now, in any negotiations I've ever been involved in in my life, when agreement is made and we walk out, it's an agreement. And it proceeds. And this has really, Fiona, and like you have an interest, you have to say yourself there, you have, you know, teachers, you know, and and I accept everything you're saying. And I've said this in, in, in the beginning of the show. Teachers, there are teachers out there doing a marvellous job with the online teaching and the hours they're putting in. But come on, let's call a spade a spade here. You know, full pay, always, no problem. You know what I mean? Look at the thousands. And you want to see the messages I'm getting here from people, of people who are on PUP and working away as well and minding children at home. Do you know what I'm getting at? Like, people are looking at this and saying, hold on a minute here. Let's get real with this. That's all I'm saying about it. And I can tell you from the reaction I'm getting here, my God Almighty. And I hear what you're saying. And you're, I, I welcome what you say about them as well, to get that perspective from you. You know what I mean? That's Yeah, because they, the teachers are home full time yes. with children yep. as well. You know that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, and, and people... And, and as I said, I can only speak, like, you know, Kate, she has the most amazing class yes. teacher. She has an amazing SNA and an SNA. And is she back? Is she back now with the agreement that happened last week? Is she back? Not yet, no. So she's not no. back. No. Okay. No. Um, I don't. I don't know of any children that are back yet. Right. Okay. You special know, education is special education not back in in aspects of it. Yes, there's a, definitely see a school but, down beside me where the children are back. Right. Well, not. Well, not in. You see, Kate's in mainstream school. Oh, I see. So I that see. is. Yeah, I see. I see. I see. That's um, okay. Yeah. But um, yeah, it's just look. The whole situation is just. A disaster. Mm. Yeah. And I, I especially think because our two lads, oh my God, they love running. They run three times a week and mm. that's not back on. I think even that, you know, they should be able to get back involved with their sports even if it's outdoors. I think, you know, mm. because... Um, yeah, so it's so, like, like you see it, there's a lot of pressure on you, uh, you know, pressure on you always, but even more so now because there's really no outlets for them. No. Yeah. 
Like we're lucky in where we live that we, you know, and we do, we get out every single day. I yeah. don't care what the weather's like. Yeah. We get out, we've our little dog Alfie and we get out every single day. So um, that's very important. But very. I just do think like for parents, you know, especially with kid, children who have special needs, yeah. they're literally on their knees now at this stage. Yes. Like school would have been, it's a routine and it's a bit of respite for parents as well. Yep. You know, and I, I just know that there's parents literally on their knees. Yeah, OK. Well, look, at we hear what you're saying and you're one of those yeah. and I'm sure you reflect the views of, of so many others who are feeling the same at the minute. And the ideal thing would be to get schools back. And I say it yeah. again, I think teachers should be prioritised for vaccination. Vaccinate all the teachers as a priority you know what I mean? And yeah. protect them and then they're protected if they're going into the environment uh, of, a, of a classroom. Fiona, look, yeah. the picture's gorgeous and yeah. I recommend people... Yeah, to, really smile. Ah, will. It'll make you smile today. We'll end on a high. Yes. Yeah. Trixie's Treats is the blog and it's there. Go in and have a look at the beautiful Kate. She's just gorgeous. And uh, thank you indeed. I appreciate you no, joining okay. me, Fiona, on yeah, the show again today. Take care of yourself. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. You. Bye-bye. Bye. Fiona McShane there. Ah, it's lovely. It'll give you a heart a lift when you look at that. Late lunch, LMFM radio. Do you have a problem with seagulls? Now, it is a problem in villages and towns and housing estates and places where you live. They've moved in. Look, we've talked about this on the show before. A man who knows all about the scourge of seagulls is Tom Cardiff. And there is an opportunity for you and I and everybody to have an input into the future control of seagulls in our area. And we're going to hear about it next. It's a big issue for people living in uh, towns and villages, especially up and down the coast here in, in Louth and me, the North County Dublin. Yes, seagulls I'm talking about. And it's an issue that's raised its head on this show on a number of occasions over the years. And I have to say, my go-to person on the subject is back with me again. He lives in Balbriggan. He's been part of a campaign there uh, in the whole area of dealing with the seagull population. Tom Cardiff, it's good to talk to you again. Hello. Hello, Tom. Hi, Jerry. How's it going? Great. And thanks for drawing my attention to this very important uh, deadline tomorrow and perhaps there's a little bit of scope beyond it. Will you tell listeners who today are listening and say, them bloody seagulls are back, they'll be nesting soon, they were there last summer, they'll be back again. There's an opportunity, isn't there, here to have your say? Well, there is, yes, Jerry. Um, This is the first ever public consultation issued by the National Parks and Wildlife Service for what they call the wild bird derogations. <coughs> it's an annual process where they issue licenses for, there's roughly 15 species controlled for the last 40 years. But urban seagulls is a relatively new phenomenon, but they're included in the scope of this public consultation. Now, they issued it over Christmas, and we had to argue with them to get it extended. Uh, they didn't advertise it. And I should mention, Balbriggan has two members on the minister's subcommittee on on committee on urban goals since since 2019. Mm. So, if you like, we're on that committee, so we're yes. informed. What we're telling you here is is fact. Right? So, basically, in order to put in a consultation, all you need to do is go to the National Parks and Wildlife site, look it up, and you'll see a, a consult, public consultation for wild birds. And there's an email address there called, uh, I think it's wildboarddeclarations at chg.gov.ie and all you have to do is type in your issue okay. whether it's noise from 3 o'clock in the morning or serious damage or your children being swooped in schools there's a, there's a, there's a standard range of issues 
And I think I've, I've explained to you in, in recent years that Ireland, this is a really important statement to register, Jerry. right? Mm. Ireland is the only country in Northern Europe, including Northern Ireland, England, Wales and Scotland. We are the only country that's not offering any protection to communities impacted by urban seagull colonies that are breeding in the community. Mm. Right? So that's significant. We're the only country, and it's like that for years. Yeah. And, and also, most important, I mean, this really needs to be heard and sink in. The National Parks and Wildlife Service is the only wildlife agency in Northern Europe, including the British Isles, Ireland, the Republic, that still doesn't acknowledge the public health dimension to the problem. And that we can't understand that because the evidence is huge in every other country. It's the same issues. Yes. Caused by the same thing, which was the closure of the big landfills. Mm. And we're roughly seven years behind everybody else on this. And Balbriggan is listed as the main area where the problem is, which is not true. Balbriggan is the main area that's kicking up about it, and there's a difference. Yeah. So, like the Lourdes Hospital there, we know, has spent thousands of euros over two licenses, which are completely wasted, trying to deal with the issue. Mm. And they've no support, and they, 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 if they go again about it, they'll be given another license to spend more money with no result. So coming back to the consultation... It's the first chance people with a problem have to to email the department and tell them about the problem. Yeah. And the standard issues are noise, aggression during breeding, aggression from foraging, damage to property, including schools and hospitals, and these flocks are out of control. Mm. And, and, Tom, can I tell you this? I live in Rahada on the north side of the town, and it's a problem where we live. I, I can tell you that the, the amount of gulls that are around, and I know people living not far from where I live, that they're an absolute scourge when they start to nest now in a few weeks and they lay the eggs and the young are there. In fact, people are awake at night and children kept awake by the racket that goes on with them. Okay, well, listen, you don't have to explain that to us. We've been working on a legal module. The the, the department claims to be obeying the board's directive. So we've exposed officially in a legal module last August, the legal opinion was given back based on questions asked by our community group, which is mainly retired people. And the barrister has agreed with us that the National Parks and Wildlife Service has been using a materially higher threshold for its decision whether or not to protect people since 1986. Overlooking the board's directive and overlooking the Wildlife 2000 Act, which gives authority to the minister to preserve public health and safety in relation to board licences, and, and not implementing its own regulations in 2011, mm. which offer legal protection. And the, the actual correct threshold is in the interest of public health and safety. But the one that the department is using is that they have to represent a threat to public health and safety. And the barrister has now told them that's illegally, materially higher than what's legal. If I could put an, an example on it, our own legal advice told us that if a child happens to go into a field and there's a bull in that field with its head down, snorting and scratching the ground, that child will instinctively know that bull is a threat to its health and safety. Mm. If the child is outside the field looking over the fence at the bull and it's huffing and snorting and scratching the ground, the child instinctively will know it's not in its interest to get into that field. Now, in relation to the seagull problem, National Parks and Wildlife's attitude is the child has to be in the field with the bull before it will act. 
That's what I mean by a higher threshold. Yes. yes. Now, if I go back to the first statement I told you, Ireland is the only country in Northern Europe. This is evidence-based. This is, you can look at all the other policies. We are the only country in Northern Europe that's not offering protection to communities like the one you've mentioned yourself, like the ones all, all down the coast in Dublin, in Cork, in Carlow, in Talla, mm. all dealing with the same problem. And it's like a bath filling over, and the only people that know about it are the people looking at the ceiling, but next door doesn't know about it yet. Yeah. Now, here's, I just want to clarify this. First of all, for listeners, gulls are protected. You can't go near them. You can't go near their nest, their eggs, or their young or anything like that. That is a fact. That is the way the law stands. What do you see, ultimately, or what have you experienced in Balbriggan? What happens to control them or alleviate this problem? The, the gulls are protected, but the, the protection is... is um, qualified with what's called a derogation, which is a license to waive those protections in the interest of public health and safety. So what happened in Balbriggan was we ended up with estates where some houses had three nests on the house. One house had six nests on one house, on three on the garage, two on the extension, and one on the roof. And thankfully, because of Minister Humphreys, not from NPWS, they were told to do it, that minister had the courage to tell them to give a, a derogation. Otherwise, that family had 18 seagull checks walking around its garden and its driveway and six adults for potentially a month. Now, that was, that's a bad case scenario. Another one would be a supermarket with 12 nests on the parapet overlooking the loading bay. There's a major company in Dublin, which I can't mention their name because they haven't released this themselves, but they were given a license in 2018 to build a big superstructure on the food section of the plant. It cost them €340,000, and it was a complete waste of money. Mm. So this is the scale of this issue. So really, the, it's controlling numbers with licences granted to uh, uh, the populations that are there, huge at the moment. It's about controlling numbers of gulls in urban areas, basically. Our, well, look, our policy position, as, as, as having done all the research, is that people's homes, schools, creches, hospitals, medical facilities, shops, supermarkets, pubs and restaurants are not suitable locations to permit seagulls to nest. They're not on public health and safety grounds yeah. as is precedented in every other country except this country for years. Okay, now, so the... So the that's the position and the right. derogation facility is in the law. Yes, so what needs to be done, there needs to be licenses is issued to control this and done in a proper manner and here is the opportunity for anybody listening today to make a submission and it's important you do because you need to tell them, as Tom says, what the problem is, where you are and let them know how extensive this is because then there's no excuses. As you said, Balbriggan have led the way on this but there's no good crying over spilt milk when the chicks are there in a few weeks time you've got to get your information in now and again Tom just remind them where National Parks and Wildlife Service National Parks and Wildlife Service if you look up the NPWS Wild Board Derogations yes. public consultation you'll see the email address I have one last point Jerry. Okay. in, in, in heavily impacted communities in, in France, Holland Denmark, Belgium all across the UK, Scotland in heavily impacted communities, the local authorities get a, a, what's called a class license, that they have one license that covers their whole local authority area. Mm. And the advantage of that is the law will definitely be obeyed because their contractors will, not, will only do what's legal. 
But the other advantage is they will gather the statistics that the conservation people need. Mm. And by the way, we're not at odds with the conservation people. They accept there's a problem. It's the only one. The people who are not acting here at NPWS in the department. Now, we have a new minister from our constituency. Thankfully, he knows the issue. Yeah. Unfortunately, he's also the Minister for the Housing Crisis and dealing with the pandemic. Yeah, so and there's a lot on his plate. But look, at it's over to the members of the public listening today. If you have a seagull issue, NPWS, derogations of, for wild bird... derogations, NPWS. Okay. And you'll see the email address. Lovely. It's a straightforward email. You don't have to fill out forms okay. or anything else. Just get in touch with them. No excuses. Thank you, Tom, for and wonderful Jerry, information. Take care. Th- thanks a lot. Right. Take care of yourself. Bye-bye. 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 That's uh, Tom Carroll diff there and uh, the scourge of seagulls it is a problem and will be a problem for many many people what about the vatican no jab no job yes if you don't get the jab and you work in the vatican the pope says uh, you know there will have to be uh, a look at what you're doing and where you'll be working in the future anyway pope francis for lent uh, what do you want to do this lent he was talking about you know the lenten season uh, fasting he says fast from hurting words and say kind words fast from sadness and be filled with gratitude fast from anger and be filled with patience fast from pessimism and be filled with hope fast from worries and have trust in God, fast from complaints, contemplate simplicity, fast from pressures and be prayerful, fast from bitterness, fill your hearts with joy, fast from selfishness and be compassionate, fast from grudges and be reconciled, and fast from words, be silent and listen. I do at times of the day, but for two hours here... El Papa, I do a bit of talking for sure. Yes, thank you indeed, Pope Francis, for those lovely words. We are just inundated with your comments about uh, uh, teachers and their position at the moment. Let me just read a couple of them. It's not the teachers, says Paddy Jerry, uh, that are at fault. It's the unions that are causing the problems. The teachers would love to go back to work. Well, Paddy, the teachers are members of the unions and they elect the executive. And if they feel like that, they should make their voices heard. Thank you for your comment. Alexandra's been on. She's 75 years of age. She got her vaccine last week. She has no side effects at all. And she'd like to urge people to get the vaccine as soon as possible. I'm with you all the way, Alexandra there. Thank you for getting in touch with us. Jerry. I listen to your show every day. I even met you a few times. I'm an SNA and I can tell you the teachers I work with would be glad to go back to school. Teachers work very hard to make sure the children don't miss out. If you want to give out about the unions, great. But don't tar the teachers with the same brush. Some teachers have never worked so hard. So give them a break, Jerry. No name on that one there, but I'm glad to read it. And I hear what you're saying. And uh, it's a view I'm glad to express as well. And I understand the working hard. But I will say to you, if you're a nurse and you have children, you've got to go to work every day, regardless. Those children have to be minded and educated. Remember that as well. If you're in many other jobs, you're in the same boat as well. So, you know, they're no different to anybody else. But I hear what you're saying. I thank you for your comment. Jerry. there are loads of teachers who want to go back to work. You're all missing the point. It's the movement of so many people that's the problem, says Catherine. And I understand that. And that's why it's phase, Catherine. But we need to get the phases going. And I go back to the point. They need to get back to school. But the point I started here was the whole issue of them entering talks on the Leaving Cert. We had agreement, the Minister announced it, and they're only out the door and they have concerns. Give me a break. Come on. We're all in the one boat, are we really? Are we? 
Uh, Jerry, you're 200% right. Scandalous example from the people supposed to be teaching the children of the future. My job industry, which is tourism, has been obliterated by COVID-19. I do whatever it takes to get back to work. I have friends, colleagues who are tasked with taking the kids to and from school. They're not considered in any of this. Teachers need to either help get our education system up and running or be forelogged on the PUP payments. I bet you, Jerry, they'd not be long getting their act together. I did mention that early on. I did myself. Uh, Jerry, thank God you've voiced your opinion on the teachers' unions. You've just made my day. My son is doing his leaving cert, and this news last night is still confusing. And in my view, pressuring these children into sitting in an exam they have no way prepared for, with no mocks or no in-school classes. And so on and so on they go. Thank you so much. I was out for my walk. I did my first day. You know I'm doing this 40 days and nights for Slav. Yes, young Slav Vavro. He's 16 and he's battling cancer for the last three years. Check out LMFM's Facebook, will you? I posted there this morning and the interview with his mam Nadia the other day. Take a tear from a stone. I'm walking for Slav. 40 days, 40 minutes every day and I'm off the hooch for uh, length. And whatever I save and for each kilometre I do, I'm going to contribute to the fund. And if you can at all help this young man, please do. Check it out on our Facebook page. But I went out for my first walk yesterday. A few observations. People were cutting the grass. Lovely to get the smell. A lot of them cutting beds of moss, to be honest. The moss in gardens. I was just looking at gardens going by. So there's no grass in the gardens. It's cutting the moss is all they were doing. But anyway, people were cutting, like Patricia Healy. Um, lots of dog poo still on the pavements, folks. That was my first evening out of 40. You're still not picking up. Come on, get the bags out. Pick up the dirt. And you know the other thing I noticed? There's discarded face masks everywhere. I couldn't believe the amount of face masks thrown on the ground all over the place. For the love of God, are we all filthy animals? Sure, animals wouldn't be that filthy. Humans would. Pick up your mask, bring them home, dispose of them properly. Don't be throwing them on the ground. Just a few observations from my first walk yesterday and it'll be continuing again today. I'll keep you posted about that over the course of the Lenten season. Don't forget as well, you can listen back to Late Lunch. We podcast the show every day. It's there about half an hour to an hour after we finish up here and you can listen back if you've missed anything during the afternoon. Now, for all the mammies who are out there today and I have your messages. You're looking for this great book I know The Juggle by uh, Emma Murray who joined me earlier on as we had the new sport and weather at three so there's only one song for the mothers out there it has to be ABBA Mamma Mia get back to school as quick as we can now the book yes I'm giving away the book The Juggle by Emma Murray what a lovely chat I had with Emma earlier on on the show and uh, who am I giving the book to I'm giving it to a daddy don't kill me girls I'm giving it to a daddy this is the reason why Mammy book, please. Three children, two in school, a toddler, homeschooler, runner, reader, big LMFM listener. I'm actually a daddy, but I'm asking for the missus because she's totes amazeballs and so positive. Oh, I love it. You old romantic. Noel Nevin, you can have that book with all my love and I hope she enjoys it. She will and you'll enjoy it too. Well done, Noel. Thanks for getting in touch with us on the show. Keep on listening and if you're joining us just now, welcome to Late Lunch on LMFM Radio. We have uh, still plenty of time to bring you uh, news from Cullen. That's coming up shortly. I'll tell you more about that in a few moments. But first, the John Denver story continues. Denver was fascinated by space travel and exploration. 
he played a major part in bringing into being the Citizens in Space programme in the United States and was on the verge of becoming, listen to this, a citizen astronaut himself until the Challenger Space Shuttle disaster in 1986. And in fact, he wrote that lovely song, Flying For Me, in memory of the crew of Challenger who lost their lives. He broke new ground. He toured Russia, playing 11 sellout concerts in the mid-80s. In the 90s, he undertook the most rare of tours of the People's Republic of China, and he was a massive hit over there as well. In his autobiography, Take Me Home, he opened up about his use of cannabis, LSD and cocaine, and how his infidelities destroyed his marriage. His clean-cut country boy image was shattered, yet his music endured. Love songs and those about nature and the wonder of the world we all live in. And this song for me, more than any other, epitomises John Denver's love for all that surrounds us. Ah, John Denver and Calypso on late lunch this afternoon. He's the most beautiful voice, hasn't he? He really has in such a range of songs and uh, his love of nature and his love songs and everything he ever wrote or sang about, simply brilliant. And his music and legacy endures today. And that's why he's my featured artist of the week. Calypso, Calypso music, of course. Calypso was a nymph from ancient Greek mythology. We'll uh, round off the John Denver story with you on Late Lunch tomorrow with another classic from the man himself. Just back to the news there. That uh, story, John McLean, sentenced to eight years for the the abuse of all those young people. Many moons ago it was eight years. What do you think? Eight years is eight years. Is, does the sentence match the crime? I wonder. I wonder, I wonder, I wonder. Trust putting a man like him in education and look what happens. Shocking, isn't it? It really is shocking. You're with Late Lunch on LMFM Radio. Mention Colin in County Louth. What do you think of? The Monks? Of course. Maddock Rangers, the wonderful football club. Waters, Tom Matthews. Number three, Old Barn Restaurant. Of course you'll think of all of those things. But there's something new stirring in the wee village, and we're going to hear about it now. Denise Fay, hello. Hello, Jerry. How's it going? I'm good. Before I talk about Colin, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. Thanks for asking. Now, yep, it's you're going to ask. Um, I think it's today. It's 13 weeks since I got knocked down, so I'm good. But thanks for asking, Jerry. My God, and you suffered a severe concussion, didn't you, at the time? I know I did. Yeah. Do you know what? Um, it's it's hilarious when you think about it. Um, I would never have known the concussion. Such a serious condition, but um, imagine telling a girl who loves to read that she can't read, a girl that loves to run, telling her that she can't run, telling her that she can't look at TV, and um, well, obviously everybody loves looking at TV. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, but yeah, look, I'm out the other side. You're now, good, so. you're good. Well, I'm glad to hear. I didn't know till recently, and then when you were talking to me in the last few days, you confirmed it yourself. But look, at your hale and hearty, and thank God you are. Now, first of all, Colin or Colin? Colin. You're right. You're, oh, you're right all the way. I remember. I'm not going to try the woman saying that now. Though. We'll say it's Cullen. <laughs> no, it is Cullen. And, you know, I've been pulled up on this in the past with the, the city slickers from the big smoke saying it's Colin. No, at all, it's not. It's not as you look at it. Anyway, we'll, we'll, we'll leave it with the, the colloquial pronunciation today, Colin. What's happening? Colin Community Together is a new initiative. You're part of it, along with some other great people as well. What, what's happening out there? What are you doing? 
Well, um, we're, we're a new committee. It's a steering committee. And what we are doing is trying to, I guess, bring the beaten heart back to Cullen. Um, it was founded by or set up or a brainchild of Patrice Grimes and Lisa Condon, now Calvi. And really, they got like the two girls came together and said, you know what, we grew up in Cullen. There's, there used to be loads of stuff going on, like there was Faroga, there was youth organisations, there was active retirement, there was loads of stuff going on. Then somewhere along the line, it kind of all dwindled away. Really, I think, to be honest, that we had no place or they had no place to centre all the activities. Yes. And then with that, we um, so they said, right, let's actually get a committee together and let's get, you know, things going. And so that's exactly what they did. So um, they brought us, they put a little note out on Facebook, said, hey, look, this is what we're trying to do. We're trying to bring the beaten heart back to Cullen, try to restore the parish centre, the parish hall there on the N2, create a five-year plan and um, very socially distant meeting held in Maddock. You mentioned Maddock, you know, in the viewing stand. And then out of that then came uh, a steering committee. I think there's 18 of us on the committee who are all actively, you know, behind the scenes. Things are going to be slowly, but actively behind the scenes doing stuff. Mm. And you've registered, I know now, as a PPN, a public participation uh, network, which is very important as well to assist you with grants and funding, etc. So the meeting happened on the pitch in Maddox, uh, socially distant, in the open in the stand when you could even do that. And away you go. The parish hall, you know, the parish hall in Annie Village is, is the fulcrum, is the centre point and has been for decades. So the aim is to restore. Absolutely, yeah. So the, I think there's a lot of stuff going wrong, like the electrics aren't, there's a problem with the electrics. This is a load of problems, so that's yeah. why we want to restore that, because it is there, and the parish have been very good, you know, and we've been in talks with the parish to, you know, redevelop that bit of land. And there's actually quite a lot more land there than people think. It's mm. just obviously quite overgrown recently. So we have been in talk with Loud Leader and Loud County Council um, about putting together, you know, applications and funding applications for the development of that site. Yep. And, you know, when you talk about Gullen, it was its small, tight-knit community. And then, you know, there were housing, new houses came there and people moved in. And is it a question of marrying the old with the new? You know, I don't mean that disrespectfully. Are the people of experience going back who are there a long time with the newcomers? Is that the idea, to bring everybody together and push forward? Absolutely, yeah. There's definitely, um, and even on the committee, if you look at it, like, you know, I obviously I'm from Drogheda, um, so I'm a blow-in now to Cullen, but... There's, um, if you look at the committee, there's actually, it's interesting, it's almost like a 50-50 split, Jerry. So it's like 50% blow-ins, um, then there's 50% of the locals. So it's great to have like, you know, that kind of marriage, as you say, to say, to bring people together and actually have the people who don't know too much about Colin or, or its history. Like there's so much stuff that I don't even know. And um, when I hear some of the locals telling me things or, you know, talking about people, it's a real, that gives people a real sense of community and a real sense of grounding. And I think that's why people want to help out um, and bring their skills and bring their skill sets and their knowledge yes. to the community of Cullen. And you've been successful already. I know you had a lovely fancy fair and you raised nearly €3,000. There was a Santa drive as well. Uh, you've had quizzes. So there's a lot going on already. But two things just before we finish. Um the website. You're planning to create a website for Colin? Yes, we are, because there's no real central place if you actually go um, searching for Colin. So we do want to create a website for Colin, just because what right now, I suppose it's all word of mouth, Jerry, and that's why we're delighted. And thank you for having us on um, to tell. And hopefully there's people listening that will hear, you know, that we're here and um, that we're, we're developing 
trying to develop the village, but also, you know, a lot of people who aren't on Facebook. So the website will be a great one, particularly for people who want to like, move into the village and notifications. But then can I just say, Jerry, that we are hoping to put up a community notice board, a Cullen Community Together notice board, um, supplied by information from the tidy towns and there'll be fundraising activities. So that's going to go up in the local shop um, in the next week or so. So Okay, and if people, if people want to find out more, go on to Facebook, is it? Yeah, it is. It's a Cullen um, hyphen community hyphen together. But just search us up on the, it's like, you know, um, everything is through the Facebook page at this moment. Rumour has it you've booked your slot for the Cullen calendar 22. Can you <laughs> confirm that? <laughs> yeah, there is a photography competition. I'm not sure now that my lovely face was actually so well on it, Jerry. <laughs> I <laughs> say yes, I say yes. Come on, you'll get a group of runners, I'm sure people like that together, and the founders as well. You have to dedicate a page to yourselves because you've started this wonderful initiative. It's all happening in Colin, if you're out that direction. Colin Community Together, check them out on Facebook. Wish you well and glad to hear you're in good health. Thanks, Jerry. You take care. You take care too. Take care. He's a wonderful lady. She's absolutely brilliant. And she went through a tough time. She really did. And uh, But she's a doer, Denise Faye. She really is. And all the other ladies she mentioned there who are on the committee driving this forward. We wish them well. What a day on late lunch. If you messaged us and I didn't get to, we were just swamped with messages there. I got to as many of them as I could. And thank you for getting in touch with us on the show. Always appreciated. Eddie's coming next with The Drive. Make sure you stay with us here on LMFM Radio. Tomorrow on the show, Joe Doyle. What a story. Boom, bust and boom again. Helena Tumberty, if you can't sleep, you've got to hear her tomorrow. And Keno Sullivan tells us the poignant story about his late sister. Leaving you in the company of the wonderful Harry Styles. Have a nice evening. Take care. See you tomorrow. I want more berries. Late lunch with Blackstone Motors, Drogheda Dundalk and Cavan. Our service departments are open with all HSC and government guidelines in place to keep you and our staff safe. Sales are click and deliver only through our website, blackstonemotors.ie. Stay safe from Blackstone Motors. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. 
Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlingbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.